Dear listeners, welcome back to The Daily Marketer. I'm going to keep this short. This is our part two chat with John Frisch, a successful marketer, blogger, author, storyteller, and as you might already know, a diehard Wisconsinite who is a master brand builder and creative. I hope you like this conversation. Just remind me, but as a matter of trivia, it wasn't the internet that cannibalized and killed the newspaper. Um, it wasn't the content. It was something else. But anyway. Um, Can you share? I'll absolutely share, but I want to get the story in order. We'll get to that <laughs> at the end. Um, so, so what we did was, so in this case, it was a very propaganda-like campaign, and we opened with uh, a billboard of a paper boy, traditional paper boy, Worm's eye view, so we're looking up at him. He's holding a newspaper in his fist. So his fist is in his clench, clenching this newspaper, newspaper coming out of each side of his fist. And, uh, and uh, he's, it's a very powerful pose. And so it's black and white newsboy, very thick black contour lines around him. So it's very strong and bold. Um, the copy said extra. And... Um, Actually, I'm not sure this was the first one that came out, but it was, we had... Did it say extra? Maybe it said forward. I thought, no, no, that's... Is it forward? Forward was the first one that came out. That's right. That's that's right. And and what's what's special about the word forward? Forward is the state slogan for Wisconsin. Okay. And so that's us again, cheerleading and and rallying people. And uh, and so we were forward with Madison.com. Yeah. Anyway, so the background color was Badger Red for the Wisconsin Badgers. Right. So, and the icon for madison.com was star circle or a circle star, however you want to say it, yeah, which is very reminiscent think of think of the icon right. for a capital city on a map. Right. Capital city on a map always has the star circle, which tells you it's the capital. Yeah. Uh, and so we had that. I don't know if that was in the O at the time, but it was part of the design, but it was also in the backdrop of the visual. So we'd always the elements were, Always a person doing something bold with a very bold look. Black Local and white. point on the person. Yeah, black and white, black contour, red back, badger red background, star circle kind of faded, visible but faded. One word call out, big call out, extra forward. Um, work was another one. Um, that was for our online classifieds. And then there was always an area of the city but the less traveled ones so that the, the real citizens of Madison could recognize where that part of the city was. So they felt like they were at home and they felt like they were in on the story or in on the, hmm. in on the cause. Right. Um, yeah. And forward was a state slogan. So, and then the site had to match it. And so we put a lot of content on it. We ended up focusing a lot on entertainment because our my the research I was doing so I was also the research director at the time so the research I was doing was showing exactly what I thought which was the newspapers were losing people under 35 no one was reading a newspaper mm-hmm. uh, which has always been the case I mean one of the running jokes was a newspaper one of our subscribers dies every day you know that kind of thing yeah um, 
but the internet was filling that gap. So Madison.com, if you looked at our coverage, Madison.com, Wisconsin State Journal, Capital Times, past 30 days, Dane County, we were reaching 94% of Dane County with Whoa. one of those three products of adults. So we had almost everybody. And Madison.com was taking off. It was 16%, then it was 30%, then it was 35%. Uh, this is in Media Audit, which was uh, Media Audit's a nationwide, city-specific, uh, syndicated research study that comes out. Because they do all of major metros in the country, our top number was 42% reach for Madison.com, which means we had 42% of adults past 30 days, which made it the number one newspaper website in the country. Wow. All and this is, this is what, year 2002? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty cool claim. Um, but it wasn't because of just the marketing because marketing, I've always said this, but you give me a product, I can get people to try it. Marketing can always get people, good marketing can get anyone to do anything once, but if the product doesn't deliver and it's a shitty user experience, Oh, can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. You can swear. If it's, <laughs> if it's a bad user experience, you know, they, then they're never going to come back. And now your marketing is going to be like five times as expensive to get them to try again when you come back and tell them, well, no, we've improved it. Um, that or you set expectations and say, this is new, we're trying things, you know, and come be the first in, you know, that kind of beta test thing. And then people right. have a little bit of a, you get a little bit of grace. So if it doesn't deliver on the first right. try, they'll stick with you and watch it evolve. And so the, uh, so we built that over time, but you know, we used to we used to do surprise shows around town. So we would pick random shows, like live concert shows around town, and we would buy it out and not tell anybody. And so when people would show up at the door with their tickets or whatever, um, you know, cover charged at the door, we would just pay the cover that night. Hmm. And so people were just like, Oh wow. And so it was great word of mouth because word started getting out like where's Madison.com gonna be this hmm. week. And because it was sponsored by Madison.com. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and but we but it was a surprise, and so we didn't announce it till right before. So like, if you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, but then people would go talk about the fact that their cover was paid by Madison.com. So we started to get a real following. We also had a uh, magnets made. We had a bunch of different magnets made that we were putting. People were putting all over town, so you'd see these things everywhere. And the learning there was not to do. St- we debated this for a long time. We decided on magnets because stickers can also piss people off when you can't get them off. And when kids are putting them around on things that store owners don't want them put on, <laughs> it just bothers them. Um, so we did them as magnets and those were everywhere. And people were also like moving them around. And so they, they had a life because if they were taking it off of one thing, they might just be put on another thing. So they were just kept showing up in random places. Um, yeah, that's clever. I haven't thought about that. But the uh, that like put it on a garbage can, you know, it's like yeah. Just take it so off. here's the best part of Madison.com, and I was saying this for a long time because this is especially true of youth. Um, young people don't want to be. This is a generality, of course. It's not a rule, but I mean, in general terms, younger people don't want to be doing the same thing as seventy-year-old people because then it's just not cool. I'm experiencing that with my daughter daily. The uh, basically, if I say she should look at something, it's going to make sure that she doesn't. <laughs> so I always tell her not to do her homework, and it gets done all the time. It's great. The uh, but in this case, we were getting calls from 65, 70, 80 year old people all the time complaining about the Madison.com campaign. Do you know how many people died in the name of communism? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Ooh, so that, that they racy. Yeah. They didn't like this campaign also told us we were onto something because it made the, the younger people in Madison seem to like it even more. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing is, it was completely coincidental because it was red and it was the circle star. It looked completely communist. The whole campaign looked exactly communist. In fact, the publishers at one point said, you can do anything with Madison.com campaign, but you can't use the color red. Hmm. <laughs> which was really big because it was badger red i mean it was the color yeah everything yeah. Is red in Madison. yeah um so we like everything else i you know i've never believed in uh i've never believed in the phrase pick your battles because i always figured i had enough energy to fight all of them so i just <laughs> i fought that one as well and we finally uh, they were allowed to do it but the flip side of that is while we had older people calling to complain about it we had younger people calling and asking if we're going to make posters and if we're going to make signs because they want them for their rooms they want to put them up in their dorms they want to so we knew we were there and and you um, did do billboards and posters eventually oh we did billboards we did posters we did the magnets we did flyers we did you know we started doing concert posters we started hosting a concert series at the hiding saloon so then we were doing posters for those uh, i don't know if you're familiar with this but the Fillmore has been doing this forever in San Francisco where you, they do a poster. Every show that played at the Fillmore, which is a Graham, um, you know, Bill Graham venue, uh, it was very famous. Grateful Dead made it famous. A lot of bands made it famous. The, uh, but after every show, you would get a poster. They would stand there and hand out posters to the first however many hundred people who walked out. Um, and so it was kind of in that vein, but we made posters for people who attended the show. And so we had different designers in our, in our design group do the posters for everyone and they were all really cool and people were really psyched about it so uh we built a pretty cool brand and the the product itself generally delivered uh i don't think the product was quite as up to the market <laughs> but it but it but it wasn't disappointing so it it it, it all kind of worked well together yeah it was a great campaign it was super fun to work on i love it when but when it's all done well, which is why I have a real appreciation for designers and writers who are thoughtful and strategic and creative and understand the goals. Like, so their creativity is applying to the goal, not just what's cool to them. Yeah. You're from working with you. You're, you're someone who collects people as in not in the typical way in the way that you, not in the way I would admit in public. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too. But but you you have a a team of allies that that you tap into. I've I've noticed you know in the projects that we work on together. I know you've worked with Zach uh, Goner for a lot of years. Same with Mike from Ascender uh, and and Dana as well. Uh, that that is something I noticed. Wait, so so is that the why behind that? Is that once you find ones that are really great and get in, they get the big picture. They get the why. You're like, well, it's hard to find people like you. Yes, that is exactly why. I so I have a philosophy. That I ref, there are there are people I refer to as my in-house staff. Um, and if you made my in-house staff, that means you're pretty much a permanent fixture in my life until one of us decides otherwise. <laughs> um, my in-house staff are all trusted advisors. That's why I call them my in-house staff. There are. There are things in my life I run into where I need advice, I need help, I need to run an idea by someone, or I need an idea. Um, and I know what everybody's specialties are. I know who I should call for whatever given thing it is. Like, I know who I need to run 
frustrations by. I know I need to run personal frustrations by. I know who I need to run politics conversations by. Who I run like marketing decisions by. Design, copy things. Yeah, and when once I have them, they're locked in. And and the traits of those people are they're all, they're all very different people because they all have very different skills. But the one thing that they're true on is they all believe in holistic look. They all believe in strategy. They all believe in working in goals. They all believe in the picture. And they all believe. They all think anything's possible. And they all are up for taking on a challenge. And they're all up for anything. Um, and they all tolerate me. That's another thing that brings them all together. They can all deal with knowing me, which not everybody can. You're, you're a saint in my book. You're just angling for a spot. No, no, not. <laughs> you're, you're a really great human being. Uh, well, this, this ties really nicely to my next question, which is, so, so what is your marketing thesis? I, I, I did read that you, know, you start and you focus on the customer, but I feel like that's only one element of your marketing thesis. Um, I focus on a customer, but I am, see, I'm not like the other kids in marketing and in business and in the world. Uh, I get pretty irritated at all the people who say you, you have to talk like your audience. You have to tailor your message to your audience. I don't actually believe that or subscribe to that. Um, I understand it and I don't think I put up a huge argument about it, but, um, because I understand there's a there's a place for that, and you are. But I believe in the brand, and brand substitutes for personality to me. So I believe this about people as well. Um, you know, you and I work together. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you in a way I think you should be talked to. You probably know this by now. I'm going to talk to you the way I would express myself. If I have something I need to tell you, I'm going to say it to you the way I think it should be said to you. And that, to me, is part of life experience. If everybody... Imagine a world where every everybody talked to you the way you think you should be spoken to. Or even better, imagine a world where everybody talked to you and they all just... The way they all thought you should be talked to. And let's just say impossibly, they all were on the same page. So they were all talking to you one way. Now you have no experience or perspective or exposure to all the different ways people think and express themselves and talk and deal and filter and don't filter and are blunt and lie and tell the truth. And so you're sheltered and you don't have a full life experience. I don't want everybody to talk to me the way that I some special super way that gets through to me that I can deal with. I want them to deal with me the way they would deal with things. And then it's up to me to filter and listen and learn and react. And sometimes I agree with them and sometimes I don't. And I think it's the same for a brand. Brand, good brands are started with a purpose. They're started with a cause. The person who started that company, that product, that idea had an idea in mind for a specific purpose, for a specific audience to, to handle a particular need. If it's a, something as joyful as frozen custard, which is yummy for everybody, so it's a pretty ubiquitous brand. I mean, anybody could, except lactose intelligent people, I guess. Um, or if it's something specific, like a type of, type of server, you know, which only IT people or technical people are even going to deal with. And then, you know, but the fact is, 
I think that the person, I mean, I don't know if he's the best example, but he pops into mind right now. Elon Musk, he doesn't talk to people the way he thinks he doesn't try and figure out who he's talking to and talk to them the way he thinks they need to hear it. He pretty much tells you what he thinks. And that's the brand and the people who he resonates with are going to go and purchase his products. And the thing he knows then is he's got customer loyalty that his, his, his people who live by brand have stronger influencers. They have stronger customers. They have stronger believers who are going to be more passionate and are going to do their marketing for them because they're evangelists. If you're trying to talk to everybody and basically pander the way, the way you think you need to talk to them, they're not going to evangelize because they're not going to be hardcore wedded to it. It's, it's, it's all watered down and it's all fake. So it, maybe, it, maybe I digressed in there somewhere. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think you did. I, I, Matter of fact, I don't remember this whole thing. I just feel like I just woke up. As <laughs> what your marketing thesis is that that's no, but that's, that's the perfect answer. I, it, it describes it really well. As you're talking about, I'm thinking about the, there's the ideal self of how you look at yourself and then there's the real self of how you actually act, right? And this goes back to the, you know, people back when they thought about human behavior, they're like, everyone acts like a rational human being. You can predict the behavior of any animal, a human included, right? But then other people said, that's so not true. You know, like we're instinctual, we're irrational constantly we make emotional decisions so the way you're describing it is a little bit appealing to the real self versus the ideal self of what someone says you know that's my customer i mean how many times are people surprised of who their customer actually really is right right it's also how you get strong brands and then here's the other thing is that it really helps you filter everything you do it determines once you have your brand and if you are true to your brand and you have faith in your brand um it determines everything you do. And that's why I believe marketing drives and should not be driven because your marketing department should understand your brand. And if they do, it mean, it determines the products you develop. It, produ- it pr- determines the way you produce it. It determines the way your customer service behaves. Your whole company should understand the brand. It should be super easy to understand. It determines every aspect of your business and it makes things easier because you don't have to have major debates and arguments because everybody is on board with the brand. I mean, not that there aren't major debates and arguments, but it just makes your strategy, your sales, the way your salespeople sell, the way they talk. Um, that much more coherent, that, that right. the narratives throughout the whole thing. I don't know why this example popped into my head. It's probably maybe not even a good example, but when Saturn came out, uh, the car, which doesn't even exist anymore. So I guess it shows I picked a bad example. But uh, their big thing, or one of their big things was the price is what it is. Like there's no going in and haggling. There's no debating on price. You don't go in and- That's the know, same way. Get a yeah. Um, and that was their thing. And obviously it didn't totally work out. But, but everybody knew that when they were going to do that. And it determined then the way they sold, the way they presented, the way they did everything, the way they ran their business. Yeah. It's very transparent to say that, right? Yeah. Someone shows up and they're like, hey, you know, it's it's 13 grand, you know, like. Right, because they determine nobody wants to have that. And some people do, yeah. you know, but then most people weren't in the right place. And that's the thing. It's okay because to try and. Not everyone's your audience. To, to try and be a brand for everybody, you're going to have nobody. I mean, you're, you're not going to have strong, strong influence. Affiliation. 
or affinity, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Like the old saying, if everyone's your audience, no one's is no one is your audience. As it's a common sense, I think that is. It's amazing how many times people don't get that. And they're like, wow, you know, you're right. That's that's true. Maybe that's my problem, right? Like it just starts at the it starts at the foundational kind of a marketing existential level with it, right? Uh, so, so given your marketing thesis, you've done, you've worked for, done campaigns and worked with 43 different companies over your 27 years of doing marketing. So has your marketing thesis proved to be, to true? Clear, not, to be clear, not employed. It's not 43 different jobs. Right, right. But, but, but you've worked with in some sort of capacity. Yeah, like in agency models and that sort of thing. Right. So, so, so has that marketing theory proved true? Everything you just described? Has it proved true? Yeah. Oh, it's it's so hard to get business owners to to buy into that. I think I worked for a lot of, and I, you know, most of my marketing capacities since for most of my career has been dealing directly with CEOs, publishers, business owners, whatnot. It's really hard to get them to to behave or believe that because they. Because so many people want, we want everybody. We want everybody to be our our customer. We want everybody to to do this. And the thing is, it's that's not the case for for so many brands. You're you're not going. Not not everybody is your for most brands. Not everybody is your customer. They're never going to be. I think it's a difficult concept to get because also, I mean, my experience is my experience. So my experience is not necessarily representative of everybody else's or all the different businesses out there, but. Um, a lot of the business owners, CEOs that I worked with, especially those who started their company, were experts in their products. So like we're engineers, technical people, that kind of thing. And so they just read a couple of marketing books or knew some marketing people and they told them what they told them and they believe what they believed. And so, you know, like at, going back to the Madison.com example, the people at Madison Newspapers because everybody is your potential customer in newspaper land because anybody citizen in the, anybody living there is a yeah. potential reader totally you weren't really big on offending anybody and so they were really afraid about the madison.com campaign when they started getting complaints from longtime readers yeah um and that's why it was you know that goes back to why i value strategic thinkers and creative who do everything for a reason because once they were armed with the explanation of well it's badger red it's not communist red we do live in madison look around you you'll see a lot of people wearing red and that the star circle is capital they got a surprising number of people that left that conversation saying oh that's actually really clever yeah and and because it was yeah it was uh, and so they kind of became believers of it. That's why I said, you know, they at one point said no red allowed in Madison.com. So we did some Madison.com campaigns in other colors. I think they're on the site, um, but or on my portfolio site. But the uh, but we came back to red because we were allowed to do that. Yeah. And by the way, it was classified advertising that killed the newspaper. It was not news. As in not having enough classified advertising? Uh, as soon as Craigslist, Craigslist single-handedly killed the newspaper. And the best part is, we would sit in strategic planning and newspapers all over the country were doing this, sitting in strategic planning meetings in their rooms and their out, you know, their getaways and whatnot and saying, how are we going to beat this Craig guy? <laughs> and, uh, and what they didn't realize is that 
the Craigslist people, they weren't even playing the game. That was a total recreational, like, yeah, let's just put out a marketplace where everybody can put their stuff for free. They, I don't know. I don't, I don't know this. I don't think that there was any intention of destroying the newspaper industry, but that's what it did. Because all the newspaper revenue came out of classifieds. It wasn't subscriptions and it wasn't advertising the paper, although those are significant. It was the classifieds that was the, that was the complete piggy hmm. bank for newspapers. And once the classifieds went from being an inch thick to like six ads for jobs, yeah. things like that, it was, it was over. Yeah. Wow going back to what you said of working with companies, it's really hard to get a founder or other people within a company that you're maybe doing advertising with uh, or consulting for to get it, to get exactly what you said. I, I, I realized today I figured out the, the perfect analogy for it. Are you ready for it? I am. All right. So in... Wait, I lied. I wasn't. Now I am though. In, in acting, if you're you know, say you're doing a commercial or you're acting in a film and the director comes up to you and he goes, Hey, I really love what you're doing in that scene, but I need you to punch it up. Like I need you to be more emotional. I need you to be like more devastated. Right. And then he turns, he's like, okay, you got it. And as the actor, you go, but how am I going to do that? Right. Like, and he turns and he, so he leaves and you go in the next 30 seconds, you got to figure out, how to tap into that part of your brain that maybe channels something from your past and you got to surface it and you've got to visualize that in the context while having the pressure of everyone on you and the cameras on you and, and the, the whole shebang, right? That's, that's the kind of finesse that has to happen. And in marketing, I notice, and I notice this more in the current work that we do, which is someone that's at an executive level, they go, Let's do this. Let's try this. All right, thanks. Go and do it, right? And then you go, I don't think you understand how it's not that easy. And there's a lot of complexity that goes into actually making that happen, you know? But I'm going to have to figure it out because that's what you want. And you're giving me the direction as the director, right? Right. And, and uh, me- I refer to it as guess what I'm thinking management. Right. And there's very few executives and founders who actually go, okay, I know, I know this is going to be hard, but let's think this thing through. And you're going to have to tell me if I'm being unrealistic and then we're going to work from that. Right. Like they, they, they don't have, they typically don't have time to, to counsel you through it and be an ally in the thought exercise of it. Right. Well, here's where it comes from. I think is it, it comes in the, in how you give advice or how you direct. And so it's a good analogy. And the, and what I mean by guess what I'm thinking management is, so in the context you just gave, that would be essentially a manager. You're working on a creative project and you turn it in and, you know, they give you an assignment and say, we need something that says whatever. I'm, I'm not going to think all that through right now. But they, And you write it and you, they give it to them and you say, they say, no, change these words here it's not quite what I'm thinking. And then you go away and you have to guess what they're thinking and you give it to them again. And those those projects usually end with someone saying, uh, at least internally to the department, if not to the person asking, why don't you just do it yourself? Because they seem to know exactly what they want and they're basically making you guess what they want by giving them millions of iterations, but not giving you any direction. I think it's far more useful to work in goals. So working in goals in the context of your example looks like someone who watches this scene 
needs to know that this was one of the most devastating events of your life and you're not sure how you're going to recover from it. How yeah. would you do that? Right. And then that, then that gives them the goal. That tells the actor, yeah. whatever I do, and it doesn't matter what I do, um, whatever I do, the audience has to walk away thinking that at the end of it. And that's when you're going to get your best work because if you hire a true professional, they are free to do it the best way they know how. And if they're good at what they do, they will get it nine times out of 10. It's kind of funny because, <laughs> you know, I, I, tend to, I tend to do and say a lot of things that, um, that, seem to, that sound like they fly in the face of conventional wisdom and they're not always great resume enhancers, so I don't say it out loud to a lot of people. But I always kind of describe it as like one of, you know, I think I've been a fairly decent personnel manager in my life. I guess you would know if I am or not. But one of the reasons is because I think I get people's best work. And the, and the reason I think, if, if that's true, I think the reason that's true is because I leave it to people. I give people the problems they need to solve and I leave it to them to solve it the best they know how. Um, and, you know, my role on that is and I'm there to knock them back in. So if they're going way off the rails, I'll try and knock them back into the lane a little bit. But otherwise, otherwise, I let them do that. And so, so I've tended to describe it, which is such a horrible way if you're trying to get a job to describe this. But I tend to describe it as my secret to management is I don't care. <laughs> I just really don't care. You unmanage. What I, what I mean by that is, no, like I don't, I don't care about the work. I care about the people. And that sounds like, it sounds like what I'm saying, which is I don't care about the work. Well, that's a dumb thing to say if you're trying to tell someone that you're doing X work. But what, what that means is if there's a project to be done, I'm more interested in getting the best work out of the people doing it and coming up with something really cool, innovative, creative, interesting that really supports the goals and strategy than I am of them doing it my way. So I rarely, rarely go into jobs with, with a very defined end game. Like I want it mm -hmm. to, when it's done, it's going to look exactly like this hmm. because I don't think you should predetermine the outcome of the game. I think you need to let the game play out by letting people go through their machinations because they're going to come up with a whole bunch of ideas and some of them are going to be horrible, but those horrible ones often lead to the best ones. Because yeah, have, or or horrible ones can be paired with good ideas and it makes the most creative approach something that no one thought of. Right, but this goes to the strength of failure. I mean, failure is, failure is super important because you don't know that you've succeeded until you've failed. And so when you come up with bad ideas and you can walk through the, go through the exercise of walking through why it's such a bad idea, you often walk away knowing what the great idea looks like because you know what a bad idea looks like. Right. It's like it's looking like at the negative space and then you get the positive space that you go, oh, there it is, right? Yes. Yeah, that's 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 a great point. Hey, I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I we do rapid growth questions at the end. So do you mind if I ask you that now? And maybe we'll do a part two. I feel like we there's a lot of fodder here. This is super fun. So I think it's being more respectful of a listener's time because I could actually keep going. But we'll, we'll, we'll do a part two. This is... This is my show. And yes, I can swear. Uh, so rapid growth questions. Are you ready? John Does rapid Frisch? growth question mean it's rapid fire or just rapid growth? You'll see. Okay. Ooh. All right. So greatest marketer ever. 
Oh, I have no idea. Don't think about it too much. It could be. It doesn't have to be someone who explicitly is a marketer. It could be a, a football coach. Um, well, so many people are leaping to mind. Um, I don't know if he's the greatest marketer. He's one of the more interesting characters. Um, greatest marketer ever. Okay, we can go back to that one. I'll tell you. I, you know, I went right to politics. Um, it's okay for some reason, and uh, I th- well, I, I've seen enough on it to know that Obama did a fantastic job marketing. I thought you were going to say that he did, he did, but I don't know if he was the marketer in it. It might be his marketing director, right? But see, but I was also going to say Trump because a lot of people would laugh at me for that, but that's because they don't get his message. No, yeah, he, people, he also for his base. He, he remember he once famously said he could walk out onto Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and people would still vote for him. <laughs> that's he's masterful yeah that's that's there's some truth i mean there's not literal truth to that but his point is accurate yeah uh and there's a reason for that and that's also that's that's more brand than marketing although marketing and brand are the same but that's because of his brand so yep ironic well i don't know if it's ironic but kind of both of them but but obama was a great tactical marketer as well like his messaging and his 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 tactics his his channel usage was brilliant um perfect yeah okay marketing newsletter you read a lot um i read media post and uh and i get seth godin's blog but i mean hell who doesn't um (laughs) uh that was the next question marketing blog you read a lot yeah, that one is Seth probably. Godin. Yeah, yeah. Mar- uh, Twitter influencer you follow a lot. Um, you know, I'm not probably more. My Twitter usage is more political, so it would be more political in nature. Um, Any politician in particular? Critical thinking one on one is one of my favorite okay. ones. I'll check the one out. Best marketing book of all time, and it doesn't have to be a explicit marketing book. Oh yeah, uh, sixty seconds and you're hired. Okay, I haven't read that one. Yes. It's, uh, it's worth mentioning what that is. It's a it's a book on how to sell yourself in an interview. It's basically how to get a job in, in within the context of the interview. So it's how to frame your entire interview presentation, and it's brilliant. There's this book called How to Get Your Point Across in 30 Seconds or Less, and I thought it would be a really lame book, but it it gave me so much material for varying how I speak publicly with people. Mm -hmm. There's so much variety in that. It sounds like they're they're cousins of each other a little bit. Yeah, I'd be interested in checking that one out. Uh, Best TED Talk? Um. Well, the most entertaining TED Talk, and I don't even know who the person was, uh, was a guy who went ahead and interacted with a with an email spammer and the whole talk is is the entire exchange between him and it was one of these people who's like you know i'm in our in i'm in nicaragua or whatever i mean wherever they (laughs) say they are and and you owe me this much you know you need to give me this much money and so he wrote back to them and asked questions and they kept interacting for a while and he finally he was able to declare victory when the guy said you need to stop bothering me now (laughs) (laughs) The person who initiated the spam said that to the guy who was writing it back. And that was, oh, it was about a toaster. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of it. That's great. I, I have a good personal story with uh, with one of those spammers. And finally, what marketing advice do you give that few follow? I think I've given a lot of it in this. Uh, 
patience is one of them. Think long-term, uh, definitely. Uh, speak our voice. Don't try and guess the voices of everybody who's going to be on the other end of the message. Speak Have, our determine, voice. Determine your brand before you start doing your advertising. Amen. Those are just some of them. Hire people who understand the brand and let them be in charge of it. Uh, trust people to do hire professionals and pay them to do their job and then trust them to do their job. That's one that gets ignored often. Mm. So to wrap this up, where can we find you and do you have any asks of the audience? Um, where can you find me? Uh, and maybe you don't want to be found. That's okay. Too. I was, was going to say, well, right now I can be found in my home like everybody else. I'm not worried about anybody looking because everybody's in their own home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I haven't, I've been doing a lot of writing lately, um, but not publicly. So no one's going to find me there, but I guess, you know, professionally you'll find me at assurance cause that's where I'm working right now. But I also, you know, I, I take on a lot of projects for people that I just think are interesting. So like my, my next door neighbor owns a auto repair shop and also is our city's mayor. I ran his mayoral campaign. I also built his web shop or his, his website for his auto repair shop. And I do his marketing for that. Um, you know, I, I'm, as you said, I've worked for whatever, 44, some different companies. I, I'm product agnostic. I, I just love good stories. And so I think that every product's got a great story to tell. I love figuring out what that story is. And then I love figuring out how to tell it. And that's the best part to me. So you, you'll usually find me behind the scenes, hopefully of a good story. I love it. Okay. And any asks of the audience? No, I don't think so. I look forward to part two, I guess. Okay. I like that. That's, that's the ask to me. Yeah. I would love to do part two. This is excellent. Good, good. I'm glad. Well, I didn't disappoint here, here. No, no, no. You, you, this has been really fun and you're such a great storyteller and maybe that's innate given your passion for storytelling. It's, it's been really great having you on the show and yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, to be continued. Thanks for listening to that two-part conversation with our guest. I really do hope I'm creating some value for you and making the journey of entrepreneurship a little less noisy, a little less lonely, and a little less stressful. Before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you liked what you heard, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card contest, which we're going to announce the winner of every other week. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Go to the show, scroll to the bottom, and hit review. 10 seconds, 10 words, very easy, and be entered into a raffle for a $50 Amazon gift card, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money. You got to love that. And it's easy to do. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be amazing. Thanks and take care and good night.